Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and other distractions. What's yeah? What's going on with hmm. David here, God? How come his line has come to an end? How come the exile has happened? Yeah. Jerusalem is destroyed. How long? And he, then you get to this. How long will you hide your face forever? Are you going to <laughs> what part of forever am I missing? Exactly, it's exactly right. The faithfulness part. It, he keeps going on and on about this. You know, you said it'd be forever. You said it'd be everlasting. I thought everlasting things were everlasting. You promised. And and I love the end where he goes. Rem, uh, let me jump here. Uh, the, 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 verse fifty. Remember, O Lord, how your servant is taunted. How I bear the bosom of insults with the people with which your enemies taunt, O Lord, which you taunted the footsteps of your anointed. Remember how we look. You know, it's this whole remember how we look terrible. Yeah. And then he finishes with this doxology. Are you ready? Blessed be the Lord forever. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> exactly. You gotta go win. Exactly. I've always wondered. There's some tone there. A little sassy. Is that what this sassy song wow. that we have going on here? After going through this whole psalm about, I thought it'd be forever. I thought it'd be forever. So, remember the taunts of your people, God. Blessed be you forever. That should be your next book, Sassy Psalms. Sassy Psalms. That should be my next book. Oh. So, so I don't know what to do with Psalm 89. I mean, on the one hand, you have these great, I'll sing of God's love forever. But then I'm wondering, are we using forever the love right way you in this? forever. Exactly. <laughs> Quote. <laughs> Quote. Unquote forever. Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I am Robert Wallace. I am Michael McKee. coming at you with a one-hour rock block. Well, I don't think that's it, but you are no. coming at us with a pretty Where are these microphones here? Oh, this head is cold, I think. This is a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, always fun to see what we get from Mike when he's on medicine. Cold medicine, yes. Um, just these, had some more. These are the readings for December the 31st, 2017. Uh, we have four texts. No choices this week. Uh, uh, we are going to do the first Sunday after Christmas Day today, right? That's what uh, I was planning on yeah, doing. Yeah, so, I'm going to do that yeah. too. Yeah, good. This should be good. Good. Because there were a lot of, I mean, I say there's no choices for text. There's a lot of choices for the way the holidays are falling here. I mean, it's Holy Name of Jesus, New Year's, first yeah, day, Sunday after Christmas. And then Epiphany apparently gets complicated after that. So we'll have to work all that out. But we've decided to do the first Sunday after Christmas. So that would be Isaiah 61.10 through 62.3, Psalm 148, Galatians 4, 4 through 7, and Luke 2. 22 to 40. Excellent. So we're just here for your Sunday preaching needs. That's not, right. Not for <laughs> that's, the other days. That's right. Well, if you have other problem, needs, you need to email us, I guess, for those. But And we're barely there for that. <laughs> that's true. Or follow us on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook, send us a message there. We're happy to respond to those. Uh, anything else that you need to... As long I mean, as you're asking questions about Sunday texts. No, that's right. Don't ask any questions that doesn't fall on a Sunday. That's right. I'll cut so, down on the volume. That's all we're answering. <laughs> But uh, we finished our grades are in now, right? Yes. The semester is officially over. And uh, now... It's all over except the litigation of right. the grades. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. From the students. <laughs> that's exactly right. Hi, students. So, <laughs> both of you. So, I hope you're... I don't I think any of the students who are listening to this podcast or anyone who have said <laughs> any, any who litigation <laughs> about their grades. So, yeah. I don't know. They steal things from the internet. I don't know. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, I'm ready to start. Are you ready All to right. start? Yeah. Let's do Isaiah 61. Right. Isaiah 61. We'll 10, fly through this today. Do 62, 3. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. Is that the same thing? Okay, uh, we'll get back to it. Very that. similar. <laughs> As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland. And, okay. <laughs> and as a bride adorns herself with, jewel, with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots... And as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. So for some reason, the lectionary keeps, you're going to be called by a new name, but leaves out all the new names that they get called. Which oh, are the next, is that what, is that what this is the next okay. verse. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Interesting choice, but fair, hmm. fine. Um, the names that you're going to be called, they're not going to be called forsaken and they're not um, going to be called, uh, desolate. They're going to be called my delight is in you and marriage. Mm. Um, your land is going to be called married because you're no longer going to be forsaken. Oh, oh, okay. 
that's in keeping with the marriage imagery that you have in yeah. this. So the garments of salvation and robe of righteousness. I know that clothing me in the garments of salvation, and you say in the New Testament, anytime you're putting on, mm. that's a baptism mm-hmm. image, right? Yeah, and it uh, it's surprising how often clothing signifies something about the character of a person. Interesting. Like in this case, the Baptist, it's, it's marriage yeah. is okay. what we're symbolizing yeah. here, is this, this relationship. So. Yeah. Um, not uncommon for the covenant to be portrayed as a marriage relationship. We've mm-hmm. certainly seen that. We probably see that more dysfunctionally than functionally. We see yeah. that in Hosea, <laughs> yeah. where you have a dysfunctional relationship. In um, slightly, some of the other prophets will talk about that as, uh, and certainly Ezekiel. You know, idolatry is adultery kind of attitude. Um, Ezekiel makes that extraordinarily explicit, so we won't talk about that. A couple of great examples for marriage, <laughs> but uh, this might be the positive example. This is, um, although it is a it is a, a, a recreative positive example. We, we get that some creation mm-hmm. imagery in there with the earth bringing forth shoots. That um, we've had. This is that second part of Isaiah. So we're having to to recreate this people. We're having to redeem them. They've they've come through exile now, and now uh, okay. they're not going to be forsaken. Now they're going mm-hmm. to be. Uh, married. Now they're not going to be desolate. They're going to be uh, delighted. So, um, man, I, I, I'm just thinking uh, all the all the metaphors for salvation. That would be that would be a big book. That would be a big book. Maybe we never tackled that. Yeah. Maybe you and I should tackle that. Sure. This this Christmas, but break. not now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some suggestions that uh, crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and royal diadem uh, is a. Um, reference to the city of Jerusalem, that crown of beauty in um, earlier in Isaiah. Now I can't remember. I should have checked the reference. I believe it's 28, maybe not, um, has a, a reference to the diadem and crown being a reference to gates, like a gated city of protection. Oh, okay. So that that's not just a royal image for God, but also an image which conveys protection for the people okay. as well as... And then that would be in keeping with uh, showing them to the nations not in a scary way, but okay. in a protected way. Restoration. And exactly. And mm-hmm. that they're, um, so it's, it's along with God being king, it's also them being provided for and protected okay. in that as well. Yeah. And God being the king, which is actually the point of the book of Isaiah. I mean, the point of the book of Isaiah is Yahweh being high and lofty. I mean, high and lifted up. That is God's yeah. position in Isaiah should be to be high mm-hmm. and lifted up. And so finally here he has got that crown and he's mm-hmm. got that royal mm-hmm. diadem. He is... High and lifted up. Hmm. So, I'm is, I'm thinking about um, Revelation as you're talking about that. I'm trying to think of uh, you know there's a throne and yep. there's diadems. Okay, and then there's big a uh, long section on the walls and the gates. And I was wondering if all of those are tied I into power and you know a throne and a diadem mm-hmm. are symbols of power and authority. Right, and and maybe along with that same neighborhood is protection or. Full, full restoration. I think the image of it is because, you know, usually cities are on hills mm-hmm. because hills are easy to defend. And if you get a gated um, city on a hill, it does kind of give that crown look because oh. you've got that rise huh. in the oh, hill okay. and you've got the right. gate around it. Hmm. It does kind of look like, yeah. you know, the city is crowned, hmm. if you will. By that gate, and so I think that crowns and gates is probably not. Oh, right. When I say gates, I mean walls. I'm sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it, that's not too far a stretch okay. to think of crowns as walled city protection. Um, and I don't know, uh, but it is a neat. It's neat to see the the odd positive image of that uh, marriage covenant relationship, since so <laughs> much of, you know, that's one of the things that that God has to say to Israel is, look, I'm in a dysfunctional relationship and have been since you know Sinai. Yeah. Um, but he's staying in it. He's not. He's not. <laughs> it's you know, complicated. It is. It is. His Facebook status is definitely complicated. But here, we finally have that vindication and that you know that positive view. It has been suggested um, by, uh, well, for years really, that Song of Songs represents that image of a um, positive relationship of the marriage covenant between okay. God and Israel. Um, hmm. And of course, the church picks that up between Christ and the church. Well, then, what else does it signify about that? <laughs> well, what are you? <laughs> there are those who simply read it as a celebration of human sexuality, <laughs> oh. a collection of you know secular love songs that have been repurposed. Okay, I'm gonna have to cut that out. Let me mark the time. You know, right, so yeah, I'll mark that time code so that we don't leave that part in. But uh, but 
it was actually a student that helped me come to that because I, for years, that's actually the way I had read it was that, you know, is mm-hmm. that it's sort of a re- repurposed Syrian love songs that have been maybe a wedding context and everything. And, <laughs> From time life. Repurposed <laughs> Syrian love songs. You get. <laughs> and uh, the students are saying, well, you know, is, is there a problem reading this as an allegory of God and the people? And I said, well, no, it's not a problem. It's just, it's so explicit. It does make people uncomfortable. And then I said, but you know, if, if we can handle the negative image of Hosea and Ezekiel, we probably should be uh-huh. comfortable with a positive yeah. image in songs. It, it probably shouldn't cause us to, to blanch too much no. at that. Yeah. Um, so, the, but the, here you get a nice picture of that positive view of, of, uh, of marriage relationship between God and, um, positive and encouraging. And yes. And, and restorative and creative and yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. A, a brief text, but a, but a nice one with a nice okay. image. Yeah, restoration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there we have a great, beautiful wedding ceremony. Our second one after the rough, <laughs> the rough sledding years. It's a rough sledding in the middle there. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we do Psalm one forty eight? Sure. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise him, all his host. Turn to the person on your left and praise him. <laughs> no, I don't think that's... <laughs> Those preachers who do this. That's what they say. Telling people what yeah. to do. <laughs> and we're walking again. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Have I forgotten anything? Have I reached my word count? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> this guy's padding. <laughs> Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all is faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Big, Big finish. You, how do you think it ends? <laughs> Big finish. Praise the Lord. Good job. There Exclamation go. mark. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, this is what the, one of those praise songs. It, it, it's a lament. No, this is a, this is surprisingly. Not, if you keep reading, it is a praise song, uh, and it is in that last five, that last bunch there, one forty six through one fifty, is a an epilogue. Um, I had a a colleague who did some work on that, and it is for him. It is this doxology, a final mm-hmm. big finish doxology of the hallelujahs. Um, we have a nice inclusio uh, with the word hallelujah, uh, which we translate praise of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people don't realize that hallelujah actually is a Hebrew word that means praise, praise. Yahweh. Yeah, praise <laughs> so the Lord. Yeah. It does. Praise, yeah. And so yeah. um, it's it's God's nickname, Yah, at the mm-hmm. end there. He sometimes goes by Yah. You know, people know him, call him Yah. Big debate out there whether it's hallelujah or hallelujah. Well, you yeah, once you run it through Greek and Latin, it becomes <laughs> you lose the H. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's simple praise that you get there, and this is um, obviously strong creation image, right? We're working our way through here from the top down, um, and we've get the uh, the waters above the heavens that, that again mm-hmm. uh, invoking Genesis one. Um, you get the sea monsters in the deep. I, I do think mm-hmm. it's fun that the sea monsters are at God's uh, at God's power, mm-hmm. that they recognize that God is the one worthy of praise. Mm-hmm. We don't normally think of sea monsters as in the choir, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> here, here they are. Um, that's it, It's funny because so often the sea monsters, probably popularly more than from God's perspective— were viewed as sort of God's nemesis, the chaos mm-hmm. monsters yeah. were the, and, and that's, you know, you give that to all of the creation stories in the ancient Near East. It was always an epic battle. You didn't know who was going to win. Is it going to be chaos? Is it going to be the God of yeah. Babylon or whatever? And, and so chaos still reigns and continues to challenge the world and breaks forth every now and then. 
Um, and and so that's that's kind of what Job is doing in Job three, where he wants to rouse Leviathan. He wants that chaos to come. He's he's hurting so bad. He wants creation to uh. make itself. And God shows up at the end in uh, forty one in Job forty one and says, "Yeah, Leviathan doesn't doesn't scare yeah. me. You know, I, yeah, I can lead him with a leash. <laughs> wasn't close. I can touch him, and, and you know, you can't touch him, and you die. Mm. I can put a rope in his nose and let him play with my daughters. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's a it's a the sea monsters are what is it uh, John Levinson says a rubber ducky for the divine yeah uh, and that's what we've got here we've got these sea monsters that are yeah chaos is and the deep are here and it's scary and but they praise the Lord uh, from the earth I mean they're they're part of this created mm-hmm. order yeah that uh, that praises as well I think that's kind of neat um, this does seem to be praising God for creation um, and for I think uh, raising up. Uh, leadership so we get the horn for his people that Mm -hmm. uh an anointing that's a royal image um there probably kingly uh, yeah yeah. (laughs) yes maybe or an anointing horn full of oil we don't know um and a horn means power too right it does it does um so this is a, a praise for creation now this is interesting because all of the psalms that praise give a reason for praise right you praise him for deliverance you praise him for creation you praise him for his mighty deeds in 150, you have the only psalm that doesn't even give a reason. It You simply praise God yeah. because okay. you praise God. That's what you do. Oh, God okay. is God, right. and you're not God, so you praise God. And so yeah. uh, this is on that. Uh, Walter Brueggemann does a really neat thing with the book of Psalms. Um, that's a sentence that is like you could use on a number of different <laughs> subjects, but uh, that's controversial. Yeah. He uses a, does a lot of these things, but what he sees is the book of Psalms one to one fifty as a journey of faith. Um, uh, that okay. if you start at the beginning, you see a, a naive obedience where you okay. do what oh. you want for the sake of reward. You know, hmm. you, you do what God wants because hmm. God watches the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of simple. Yeah, faith. simple. And then that that is on a journey. It turns in Psalm seventy three when life is unfair and doesn't make sense, and he doesn't, and the psalmist doesn't know how to process it. And then you get to one fifty where he says is a move toward naive praise, where okay. you no longer praise because of what God is doing for you or your particular situation or for anything that God has done. You simply praise God because okay. that's God, and that's what you. So he he literally sees the Book of Psalms as a journey of faith. Hmm. And that 150 is the culmination of that the okay. person who has reached the point where it doesn't matter what their circumstance in life is, yeah. they're willing to praise. Second naivete. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. a, a higher level of you know loving God for God, not for self, not for what God does for you, but loving God because it's God. And yeah, you know, yeah, that's kind of like when Job. Early in the book, he's yes. going to praise God. Yes, and a lot more bad stuff. A lot more bad. Yeah, more bad stuff <laughs> happens. It's like God. you know yeah. what? Simplified, kind of downsizing. Not a hundred percent sure about this. And yeah, uh, yeah. he's like a third or fourth night of a tape by the end. It, it's really a, a neat, uh, a neat progression. I think you know, it's one of those things where I'm not a hundred percent sure that Brueggemann is right, but I'm not smart enough to disagree with him. Yeah, uh, it's right. really, it's right. a really interesting reading of the of the Psalms. Um, that is. That is, um, that you think is. about, because it is kind of a, you know, um, formulaic at the beginning. Yeah. You know, do this and things will go right. Right, right. I mean, that's like the very first thing is, you know, God watches over the way of the righteous, but mm-hmm. the way of the wicked will perish. Mm-hmm. Study Torah, do what God says, you'll be a tree planted by the woods, mm-hmm. and the bad people will be dandelion fluff. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the Psalms and you realize, no, wait a minute, the world is complicated and bad people are winning and my life is hard and I don't know what to do. And that it's at the end when it's praising in spite of that in the yeah. present, you know, that's, that's a neat move. So this is part of that move. That's when we're moving toward uh, praising God for all creation, um, praising God for assembling Israel as 149. And then 150 is just all hallelujahs. It's okay. the, you, you praise him with symbols. All hallelujah breaks loose. It is. You just praise him. You just praise him. That's just what you do with, with symbols and tambourines and clanging symbols. And that's, that's 150. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is on that journey toward that. This is this is moving toward praising I God. I see this guy's arranging the choir, and then they're going to just praise him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's pretty much it. Yeah, let's see get monsters together. over here. Sun, highest heavens. You ready? You coming in? <laughs> Good. Sound awesome. <laughs> sea monsters. Depth. <laughs> Where's that? <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. Fire, hail. You guys. I'm ready? seeing Muppets. I'm seeing Muppets. Yeah, yeah okay. it could work. It could work. <laughs> All these people have voice. Mountains, mountains. Uh, yeah. Stay in the back. <laughs> We can see oh, you. We're God's good. creatures got a place in the choir. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. 
That's what it is. It yeah. is all God's creatures got a place in the choir. That's yeah. exactly what <laughs> Psalm 148 is. That's a good title for this song. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I love how we don't get to the people till later, which is nice. We're at the end. Uh, yeah. Well, so, that's kings, princes, mm-hmm. young men, women, old, young. Got it? Are you ready? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyone who's not eternal or didn't create all things, you're, <laughs> yeah, you should be you're, praising God. You're over the. You should be facing this direction. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Humans. Yeah. You're in the mix. Yeah. Get back here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> facing me. Yeah. Good. Yeah, so it's a nice song. That's what I, all that to say, I like it. <laughs> good. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today. All right. Yep. Excellent. We're on track for a record brief podcast. Yeah, you'd be surprised how little I have to say about Galatians. (laughs) (laughs) However, we are getting into Luke, so. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Luke Luke tends to fill out, rounds out the podcast (laughs) usually. So well. (laughs) Let's do Galatians first, though. Okay. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Okay. That's pretty straightforward. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time yeah. on that. That's good. There, there's a, hmm, there are uh, a few selections dipping into the epistles that are somewhat form, formulaic and maybe earlier church liturgical tradition. Mm-hmm. And we saw one last week out of Romans, the end of Romans. Yeah. And, and this this seems to be another occasion. Oh, is this for like a, a church song that we're singing or yeah, a recitation it seems of some to sort? Be some um, earlier tradition, and it's it's nicely crafted. So it's a you have a little chiasm here with God. God sent His Son, mm-hmm. uh, a prime a, and then the, it ends with that we might receive our full rights as sons. So. Between that is born um, under the law to redeem those under the law. So it's kind of a like, oh, he didn't. That's just not off the cuff. That's oh, a little I got bit you. Of, uh, probably something that's been out there. So God sent His Son, a born of woman under the law, mm-hmm. b in yeah. order to redeem those under the law, b prime, so yeah. that we might be children. Yeah, a prime. Mm-hmm. So that's a yeah. b b a. Yeah, yeah. yeah so okay. you don't get the sons there in our translation we're looking at. So. Yeah, it says children instead of sons, but yeah, right. And the sending, the sending His Son, you see. That shows up a lot. That's yeah. kind of a uh, Romans eight, John three. You know, for God to love the world. First mm-hmm. um, John. It's a it's it's somewhat formulaic, and um, um, so there's a lot of uh, echoes of things Christians may have heard in a in a church context, uh, or heard from Paul uh, or other apostles. So it seems to be er- some early Christian tradition that's a little bit you know polished mm-hmm. um, and familiar. So. And this would be a. This is, by all accounts, a very early letter. Yeah, this is. Yeah, so, yeah. So uh, we're not talking about a long tradition, but it no. does seem to be things that show up, uh, echoes of things that show up in other parts of the scripture. And the sending, sending is a pretty. You know, it has this uh, tradition in Judaism, sending, mm-hmm. sending a, uh, sending a representative who has the same power and authority as the one who's sent um, a shliach. I don't know how you say that exactly, yes. but it's like an apostle. Um, sent to do... That's you the know, Hebrew word well. you just tried to do there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I can do those when I have a cold. Shalach. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. is the uh, is Messiah. Shalach uh-huh. is to send. Shalach, is that Shalach. it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, it's also the word for divorce. That's probably not important in okay. this context. Right. <laughs> yeah. Lesser. Yeah, we won't get into that today. Yeah. Well, that's it's interesting because we have God sent his son mm-hmm. to redeem those, and then because you are children... God sent the spirit of the son into our hearts so that mm, that mm-hmm. there's again yeah. we've got the theological and then the now okay the spirit of the son yeah. yeah yeah that's that's very trinitarian yeah yeah if you have god sending son being a statement of equality 
Yeah. That then spirit of the sun is then again equality. Well, that's that is. Uh, I had a question after my last class on John. Mm-hmm. You know, and wrap up, and so someone came and asked me about a Trinitarian language. I go, it's there. Um, it's never pointing to itself. Yeah. But it's like it's like it's recognized mm-hmm. and it's experienced as such, and in, in later reflection, then we talk about it. Like, well, what is that? You know, right. what is this? new understanding of plurality or community in, in the in the one God that we worship. Right. And so you see it all over the New Testament, but not as a topic in and of itself. Well, and to be able to say this from a thoroughgoing monotheistic call, I mean, these, these uh-huh. are dyed-in-the-wool uh-huh. thoroughgoing monotheists. So when they're right. saying this, it's not accidental or no. careless in no. their language. Right. I mean, they're yeah. being intentional when they're saying right. it these, this way. Mm-hmm. So. so we are monotheists, and... And and we're we're experiencing that reality more than ever in a new you know it's clarified for us and here's our experience right we experience it this way right we experience God uh, fully revealed through Jesus and uh, for most Christians uh, haven't experienced the um, Jesus in the flesh they've mm-hmm. experienced that through the Spirit mm-hmm. and so their the reality of their experience bears witness to this right uh, and they don't stop to to systematize it at this point, but it it can certainly be done, you know, early on. Um, The evidence is there. And uh, so, yeah, you do see it in Pauline letters uh, very explicitly in Revelation. Oh, yeah. uh, And and as I said, this overlaps with Johannine writings to to a degree. I mean, sending of his son, that's one of the favorite ways that Jesus talks about himself, the, the sent one. Yeah, John, that's very important to John. Yeah. So a very much uh, part of the argument in Galatians about uh, why would you go back into this um, um, this previous understanding of of uh, of God or of uh, relationship, relationship with uh, God under the law? Uh, what, the law is not bad in this context. The context of Galatians is that Judaizers, um, Jewish Christians, are coming in and troubling Gentiles, saying, "Welcome to the family." Eh, now you got to change. Yeah, now you right. got to do this. You got to become Jewish. And and Paul's saying, well, no, no. And one of the things he points to again and again is like, did you receive the Spirit through the law? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, nor was the law ever written explicitly for Gentiles to embrace as a you know cultural practices and such. Um, and a new era has dawned that that is something that pointed toward this reality, but is not uh, eternal in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that this that it is the spirit that made them heirs. It mm-hmm. is not the law yeah. that made them heirs. Yeah. Heirs, mm-hmm. and and that that's mm-hmm. to to go backwards would be to forsake that inheritance. Right. It is like a returning to childhood. Um, yeah. Why, we, when you're under supervisors, like um, this supervisory function of the law, why would you want to return to that? Yeah. You know, there's something superior in your, and you've had that experience, and mm-hmm. you can point to their experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is actually, there's a lot of overlap, and now that I think about it, between this and what I, how how I read Luke, this portion of Luke 2 we're going to look at in a second, yeah. um, how these things, um, these Jewish institutions point beyond themselves mm. to a reality that's coming, that they're good in and of themselves, but they point to something uh, in its fullness that's coming. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll get into that when we get into to Luke 2, and that so that's kind of a... Central to Paul's argument, but uh, I think it's a certainly a, an important subject when we get into mm-hmm. to Luke two. Yeah. So this is a letter that is not written to a church. This is a letter that is written to churches in an area. And okay, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. mean, the, to the churches in Galatia. I think is the way we correct. open this book. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's the way the book opens. So my next question, but judging drugs, from so your re- <laughs> judging from your reaction, my next question probably shouldn't even be asked. But any notion to how many we were thinking about? <laughs> no. So we wouldn't know. Okay, so no. just a large uh, an area of there are churches in an area and in that, that area are struggling debated. with this. Well, yeah, that area is debated, but <laughs> yeah. nobody. It's not really debated. I mean, it's, I don't think that I don't think it's that debated. Anyway. Um, there's the convincing argument and the unconvincing argument. That's the debate for me. But uh, <laughs> I use it as an example of bad teaching on a couple of levels. They, they say, good teachers ask questions. Did you know that there's a southern and a northern Galatian theory? <laughs> wow, that's a real conversation that, starter. That, that gets them out. That, gets, that draws out the conversation. 
but uh anyway this the i just think it's interesting this is not a specific church uh-huh um and this is something that paul experiences in, in different churches more than one church yeah yeah he also doesn't offer this one to any saints here he usually says oh, the opening yeah in the opening yeah. it's to the saints who are in wherever but there's no saints in any of the churches in Galatia, <laughs> well, apparently there's, there's some things missing at the beginning there's no thanksgiving no, yeah, that's true. He normally has a big Thanksgiving. You there's, leave it out, that says something. <laughs> there's no Thanksgiving and there's no to the saints. Yeah. So yeah. they've got some problems and, there and, in Galatia. And sometimes he talks about a servant of God, a prisoner. It's like, read it. It's like Paul, an apostle, not yeah. sent from men, right. sent from God. <laughs> yeah. Paul, an apostle, <laughs> sent neither by human commission nor human authority, but through Jesus Christ <laughs> well, and God, I'll, who raised him from the dead. Skip skip over the Thanksgiving <laughs> in prayer. Yeah. Ooh, wow. I think he has our attention. So Paul is he's unhappy in this <laughs> yeah. in this text. He's so unhappy with the people coming in and messing things up. Absolutely. And yet he can be eloquent here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's but not, also still making his point. Yeah, I mean, this it's is not the, dashed off in the heat of the moment. No. But no. The, the, this is a well reasoned argument he is making that he's about to yeah. drop the mic on. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a uh, an important uh, crisis that needs to be addressed. And is addressed lots of different places in the New Testament. Um, formally, you know, narrated in uh, Acts 15, the decision like, no, we don't. Yeah, right. We're going to make Gentiles become Jewish, you know, culturally. Well, it's not It's not an uncommon, God may have accepted you, but our standards are a little yeah, higher. Yeah, a little bit higher. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah, uh, exactly. not an uncommon reaction to exactly. individuals. Yeah. So we haven't changed that much, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> a perennial issue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, here's the things we need to unity to do at our church. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. This is the way we do things around here. So, yeah. oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, wow, these are very holy. let's do Luke 2 okay. because you love Luke 2 and I love the story and mm-hmm. it's even funnier you have to tell the story from your class I'll tell the story from, I'll tell a story about this and you tell a story about this uh, um, oh. yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> that story when the time came this is Luke 2 22 to 40 when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord and they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law a pair of turtle doves, and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous, devout, and looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. I wonder what that word consolation... I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, maybe... Uh, that's, okay. that's an interesting word. Maybe I'll have something by the time you get there. Oh, no, I'm, cu- I'm curious about it. Uh, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Uh, pun on Jesus' name. Uh, for which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's a great greeting for a new family. Yeah, it's you know, <laughs> on a card. You know, everybody needs those encouraging words mm-hmm. when they just had a baby. Yeah, sleepless. Uh, there was also a prophet, Anna, daughter of Phanuel, yeah. of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. I don't understand that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Then, as a widow to the age of 84, um, she never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. Wow. At that moment, she had a spot. That was her pew. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they finished everything required of the law by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Great story. That's a, that's cool. Nice story. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny when you finish that up. I go, I'm interested to hear what Rob's going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that no. must be the medicine. <laughs> Actually, this is a you thing. This is not me. Um, yeah. So, but I uh, ask about the console, The word consolation. 
Because that is the way sometimes the word Nahum is translated oh, in okay. uh, the Old Testament. And I'm wondering if the Septuagint did that, then that is a word in Greek that might be thought of as the end of exile. Mm-hmm. Um, well, near the end there, you have the uh, someone looking for the redemption. Redemption, exactly. So I'm, I'm wondering if there is some exilic imagery here, the end, ending of exilic imagery here, huh. which is... Um, which is weird since you already have a nation, right? I mean, that's why I'm, I, I don't know. I was just, yeah. when I saw Consolation, it triggered a, a word, you know, that, that something in my brain there. Yeah, there's some hints, there's some hints that everything's not so great. Yeah. Uh, in the infancy narrative, when you're just not so, you know, turning the hearts of the fathers toward the yeah. children, it's like, wait a minute, what's wrong with the hearts of the yeah. fathers? You know, and that should be fathers, not 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 parents, because fathers were kind of tyrannical. Right. Um. Yeah, there's some, you know, what what's that stuff that uh, that um, Zechariah is saying about you know being in in darkness in the shadow mm-hmm. of darkness? What mm-hmm. like there's some ominous stuff here. So it so might be consolation some might be some image there mm-hmm. of of exile. That's I don't interesting. Know. Well, anyway, might have to double check N.T. Wright's theory about you know all this uh, return all this from exile Exodus stuff? sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is uh, one of the. Th- this is the third song. We looked at yep. the other songs. Yes, yeah, we have. Yeah. This, this is, is the, the third. third one, and uh, some some similar uh, imagery, but some um, additional sort of uh, um, themes introduced here. What we've had before, we've had um, John's father. Mm-hmm. Um, once his tongue is loosed, and uh, he gives the uh, the Benedictus. Mm-hmm. He sings uh, right after Mary sings. Right, and mm-hmm. uh, and Mary uh, doesn't have to go through a time of punishment, and she no, she, she gives the Magnificat. Um, so the falling and rising of many is kind of uh, a theme we hear, and certainly in Mary's song, we talked a lot a lot about that. Uh, but you've had these two families to this point, and now you have someone out, a couple of people outside, yeah, outside the, family. the family, and again a male and a female, one of those like seventeen or eighteen pairs of, that looks very intentional about putting a male and a female in a scene kind of balancing things out so you've had you've had these uh eruptions of kind of interpretive songs probably prophetic um understood as prophetic um utterances by the spirit and uh they they give um interpretation to the narrative what's mm-hmm. god doing mm-hmm. and the thing that god is doing with these people what's the implications of that for the nation so mm-hmm. uh, once again you have the interweaving of of mary's story with that of god's god's people so um already impacting people beyond you know the right. the um the shepherds went and said you know front us is born a right. savior um is that what they said <laughs> anyway it's a this, well. This the angel that, said, "Unto you is born unto a savior." Unto you is born so a that, savior. That yeah. works. Yeah, and they got and, and announced that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the impact of the, these births are beyond these these families, and and now you see other people mm-hmm. giving giving voice to that. Well, it takes place um, in the context of the temple. It takes place in the context of uh, fulfilling the law. Mm-hmm. Yes, they got because forty days yeah. after. Uh, well, it's. Seven days and then 33 days, but 40 mm-hmm, days mm-hmm. after a male child is born, the mother needs to go and seek purification. Yeah. It's 80 days after a woman. I'm sorry that I don't, uh-huh. I don't make the rules up. That's okay. just, that's just, <laughs> it's the way it goes for boys. It's 40 for I girls. It's, I don't, I just report it. It's just, it, I just report the news here. You do have occasion to say that when you teach yes, the I Bible, do. don't I you? Yes, I do. Actually. I didn't write this. I didn't write the rules here. All right. So. <laughs> but I'm gonna enforce them. <laughs> See the syllabus. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Anyway. So what was I doing? <laughs> I don't know. You were... Oh, it takes place in the context. Is of, of the temple, fulfilling the law. There's right. a lot about piety, Jewish yes. piety and observance and, and righteous people. Either they're introduced with uh those credentials, that's a way you say this is a person of good character. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they're in the context of that, or in the context of fulfilling temple piety. And the fulfillment of the law, and in that context, something happens that points beyond that. Mm-hmm. And here's the first place you get the most explicit that this is going to go beyond uh, Israel. Um, you might catch a little hint of that earlier, but but here it's more explicit that um, uh, my eyes have seen your salvation, verse thirty, which mm-hmm. you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, yeah. and for the glory of your people, Israel. So um, this is the first time, time it's very explicit, and it's only after that that you read about opposition, because mm-hmm. in Luke's context, it is the fact um, 
the narrative of Luke Acts is is hitting the point that it's because this good news goes beyond, beyond the boundaries Israel. and is and mm-hmm. being shared too broadly. That's why opposition is uh, encountered, and that is a message um, for a largely Gentile audience. Uh, that is a message that says, "This is why you're in. This is God's you're right. always intended. God's been that. intending to do this, uh, and uh, this is why some people oppose that. If you're wondering that, if because that can undermine your uh, sense of whether you're you know in or in God's people or not. It's like there's all these people who work. I've always been a part of God's people, right? And they're opposing they're us. Well, that happens. Um, so um, it, this is in the context of uh, the temple. Um, it's in the context of observance of the law, and and there are these Jewish institutions. You engage in a in a long narrative written to Gentiles. A lot. Why all this stuff about Jewish piety? Right. Well, it, it is observant people who are looking for the consolation, redemption of Israel and Jerusalem, who are recognizing this new thing that God is doing. And it's in keeping with, not in tension with, that thing God has done. So that's the that's one of the themes I'm connected so, with. Wait, what, I hear, what I hear you saying is that he is intentionally demonstrating these people as practicing, pious, uh, faithful Jewish individuals doing what yeah. would be expected of practicing, pious, faithful right. Jewish exemplary, individuals. Exemplary. 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 And mm-hmm. that God's new thing is coming... Emerging from that. From that. And is recognized by those. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like that, that supervisorial role that the uh, the law played in, in, in Galatians, Galatians' argument, um, that is kind of akin to what we're talking about here. This is not... This is not um, Intention with God's long-term plan. In fact, it's in in the very context of uh, observance and piety, and the very you know these righteous people who recognize that. So, so the the law are training wheels. See something and like that, keeping the bike from yeah, falling over. Yeah. And now, why would you want to put the training wheels? Yeah, back on? you don't. You, typically, you don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the way, I did just look up consolation of Israel. Uh, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. Exactly the same phrase, uh, same word as you get in Isaiah forty, talking about end of exile. Um, and guess what word it is? Oh, I don't know. Paraclesis. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, which I think is, is neat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So looking for the the comfort, looking for the consolation of Israel. So that is in the Septuagint, not mm. in Hebrew, but mm-hmm. in the Septuagint, mm-hmm. a word that is used for ending of exile. Okay. And so it's for him to pick Is that up what here. we find at the beginning of like Isaiah 40? Yes. Okay. Paracletai, paracletai. Where we find uh, Jeremiah's book of consolation, right? Yes, <laughs> there in Isaiah forty. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, I don't know, but he's, but it's it's neat to me that it's the yeah. Paraclete that, okay. that is of Israel that he's the yeah, paraclesis well, of Israel that he's praying for. These people were how well, many echoes of Isaiah? I know that's you know? so clever. Like I said before we started, there's a lot of echoes of Isaiah in, in particularly in this part of Isaiah, of, of Luke, but. That is well. I'm, I think that is the most quoted prophet in the gospel. Oh yes, for sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I am sure. Right. Of course, he's got more, so it's easy. <laughs> Hence, all the Isaiah <laughs> you're getting these days. Yeah, and yeah. particularly the, the the second half. Yeah. So Simeon is also someone who is over against or con- contrast to Zechariah, who doesn't get it. You know, it's like, yeah. huh, what? He is someone who's so perceptive, and there's all this language of um, eyes yeah, and it. light and revelation. And uh, Simeon is one of those guys. This guy gets it. This guy gets yeah. it. He's the hero. Simeon. Yeah, he, yes, know? he yeah. is the hero. Yeah. So he 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 gets it and he sees it. And uh, unlike someone who's you know imperceptive, like um, like Zechariah, who uh, is it both in the realm of perception, hearing, and uh, seeing, mm-hmm. and uh, part of uh, if you can't hear, you can't speak. In that right. day, they didn't have sign language or something like that. So there's this theme of uh, why do some people get it and some people don't? Well, it's not the you know not the bad people. It's maybe some slander about this this Christian movement. It's like uh, this, these are lawless people. These yeah. are the unrighteous. Well, no, Luke's kind of going out of his way to to point that that's but these that's are not exemplary the people. These yeah. are not the right. Yeah. yeah. So he kind of stands over as a, a counterexample to uh, someone in Israel who's looking for the consolation of Israel and gets it when it shows up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story I think you you referred to is like I think I was narrating this at some point in class and saying this is odd stuff for someone to come up in the temple. The temple's really big. The temple's thirty five acres. Yeah. The temple's massive, and so they didn't just cross pass in the uh, you know the narthex of the church. This right. is this is a guidance by the spirit 
and uh, some guy comes up to you in this this sprawling location and picks up your baby and says these things like Joseph, this guy old guy came in <laughs> came and picked up the babies. <laughs> so I said that in class, and one, so, one student. Well, said, you said what would what would you say would, if, if someone I, came I say, up? What would you say? Yeah, Joseph. yeah, yeah. If you were Joseph, Joseph, said, not my baby. <laughs> That's what the students. <laughs> That was so funny. I awarded him his diploma at that point. Absolutely. <laughs> carry around a couple of those. What would you say if you were Joseph? Some stranger came up and picked your baby. Not my baby. <laughs> That's right. That's a great moment. My favorite. I've got a, I've got a Simeon story. Okay. Um, I was teaching Isaiah 7, and I was talking about the Septuagint translation of Isaiah 7 being different from the Hebrew text, mm-hmm. and that that where the Septuagint says virgin, the Hebrew text says young woman, mm-hmm. and that most Bibles will follow Septuagint there because Matthew yeah. is using that as a reference. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I and I was just saying that, you know, this is just one of those common things, shouldn't trouble you, just know it's translation issue. And I had um, an Egyptian Orthodox student in the class oh, who's yeah. Coptic Orthodox. And uh, her English was fine, I mean, but but you know, anytime you're in a second language, mm-hmm. you don't quite have the mm-hmm. the experience. And she said to me, she said, "Well, you know, the story of Simeon." Mm-hmm. And I said, no. uh, "Yes, I know the story of Simeon, but I don't know what you're talking about." She yeah. said, "Simeon in the translation and the Septuagint." And uh. I said, "Ah!" And then she, I could tell she was getting a little frustrated, and I wasn't <laughs> able to understand. And she said, "I'll bring you something tomorrow." I said, "Okay." okay. And so she brought me this article, and it is this is interesting. It's it's a, a tradition in the Coptic Orthodox Christian Church that Simeon was one of the Septuagint translators. Oh, and okay. so that now we're talking two hundred years, three hundred yeah. years before this time, right? right? He was he one is of the getting up there. He is an older <laughs> fellow, and that um, he was doing his translation, and he comes across. Uh, Isaiah 7, 14, his responsibility was Isaiah. He's doing Isaiah 7, and he gets to young woman, and God tells him to translate it virgin. Oh, And Simeon said, but Lord, it says young woman. It doesn't say virgin. Mm -hmm. And God tells Simeon, if he translates it as virgin, he gets to live to see the Messiah. Oh, that's the story. As an act of faith, he translated it as virgin. And that's why it differs from the Hebrew text. It was an act of faith Uh, by Simeon, uh, who then was rewarded with... 300 extra years of life to no, see them. No. And I thought, what a wonderful little story. Yeah, I mean, no. it, you know. Sometimes the simplest explanation is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Occam's razor. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of implied, actually. All of that in the text is pretty obvious. Hard to miss. <laughs> But it was an, it was a neat little story because we don't know wow. anything about. I always tell students the less the Bible says about something, the more money you can make off of it. Because oh, yeah. you know, if you just get this passing reference, right. uh, well, tell me about Simeon. Oh, Simeon. Well, let me tell you about Simeon. Yeah. Me, he was tall. <laughs> Most people yeah. don't know that. A lot they of won't tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. So people, the less the Bible says, the more you the more you can make oh, up. But hey, uh, I know I teach Revelation. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> fair point. So. Ka-ching. That's that. Yeah, that's now we don't get that Simeon's old, do we? But we do get that Anna is old. Well, I've always inferred that that uh, you know, given that he's two hundred years old. Well, yeah. <laughs> it never mentions that is his age, though. Yeah, a student pointed that out once, or or someone pointed that out. I'm thinking, you know, now dismiss, you know, your servant. Right. That's the. I think the language. Well, makes people say that sense. all the time. I can die happy. Yeah, they say I, that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can die happy. <laughs> Finally. But well, Anna, we get all sorts of detail on Anna. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, a, then it, was widowed at 84. And, yeah. I mean, so we get that's we well, don't get that old, with him. I think these are both elderly people. They're, they're very similar to Zechariah uh, oh, I see. And, and Elizabeth. I, um, one of the credentials is is age, and I think I do think that's implied in, um, in Simeon's right. uh, instance. Um, Anna, the, the pair, is a very closely connected to the temple also she is uh she's she's remaining a widow which was exemplary in certainly in the first century that was thought of as exemplary piety you know i could remarry but yeah i'm gonna devote myself is, to is that not i mean that wouldn't be an in, act in, of faith wouldn't is it? that in judith also someone else I don't in the read old... a lot of yeah apocrypha okay. stuff yeah um but to to be a widow, that's going to be an act of faith because if you are you're relying upon support at that point, yeah. in a world with no Probably. social support, yeah. I mean, yeah, we don't know. You have to trust your family or yeah, someone else yeah. to take right. care of you if right. you're a widow. That's, that's probably something that you, you would account here. Yeah. Have no means by which you could support yourself. Yeah, 
Hence, she never left the temple. <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't have a place to stay, so, you know, I'll just stay here. Yeah, yeah. never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer. Well, there, okay, there well, is the, someone who's praying day and night. Okay. Yeah, she's All right, praying. So we well, said there wasn't any occasion of that. In, in, Paul, in, in good Jewish manner, Paul. she's praying night and day. Night and, so, oh, night and day. Yeah, okay, you yeah. wouldn't pray right, day and night. Yeah. pray night and day. Yeah. She began, she came up. So she's another perceptive one, began to praise God. Speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So a very public person. Yeah. <laughs> never going, goes home, never, talks to everyone. And what? <laughs> she's an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very gregarious. I love people. I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> we won't even start with the traditions about Anna. <laughs> yeah. I'm a people person. <laughs> this is, this is, it's interesting. I wonder. Because Hannah, which of course Anna would be the Greek equivalent of Hannah, mm-hmm. uh, in the Old Testament was uh, older and uh, childless, and, and that's so often and was in the temple, right? Yeah. Went to Shiloh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and I always is associated with Magnificat, mm-hmm. and I, I I just wonder if I mean that becomes almost a little chiastic. Yeah, in some there way. are echoes of the Samuel story for sure in these infancy narratives. Yeah, most people echo them though with Mary. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting yeah. that her mm-hmm. name is yeah. invoked here. Yeah, which is, um, and they're coming to present Jesus in the temple, which of course was what Hannah does, mm-hmm. presenting him in the Shil- yeah. Shiloh in the temple. <laughs> and he never left. Yeah, right. he, he true. That's also true. He he never Samuel. left. Samuel, why did you drop him off? <laughs> you know what? Jesus, just, on the other hand, returned home this time. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you can just keep him. <laughs> yeah. Well, later when he's a twelve-year-old, he kind of he stayed. Just stayed there. Yeah. Good. It's a great story. Yeah. I love that notion of, I mean, right here you see that this is what God's been preparing for, someone to be a light to the revelation, yeah. to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and glory for Israel. This is, a whole, this is how we're doing this, right? This is how we're getting everybody in this. Yeah. Yeah. That at the heart of Judaism, these things are uh, announced in yeah. the heart of temple, piety, lawful observance, exemplary, righteous people. Yeah. They get it, and they see, oh, this is, the, this is a new yeah. chapter. And uh, the ones they don't they don't way. see it as like wait a minute you know this is a problematic you know? right right yeah people uh, it's not people that you get models. it and they don't it's that you're the way they get it which is yeah. cool well also for readers who might be uh, there's a question in Luke's times like wait this is how does this line up with you know what God has done in the past well, well right there's a long story about that yeah you know? nice connection it speaks both to Gentile and Jewish audiences or Gentiles who are concerned with rejection by certain. Uh, strands of Judaism. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yep. Plus, she's the daughter of Phanuel. Well, that, of The yeah. tribe of Asher. I'm assuming that's good stuff. That's I mean, good resume. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We don't, even, we don't even need to get into that. No, that's pretty obvious. That's straightforward. <laughs> that old chestnut? We're going to open that. Yeah. Right. I can revisit that. Well, I hope that you uh, had a good week and uh, have gleaned something this week as well um, in our first Sunday after Christmas as we look forward to the new year. Uh, we're going to keep trying to do these podcasts uh, over the break yep. and uh, we will see you in the new year. In the new year. See you then. Blessings. Blessings. Blessings.